in the Pattern Podcast. Make left traffic, clear for the option. I'm John. I'm Chris. And I'm Mark. And we are the In the Pattern Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome back to episode 7, Bravo, of the In the Pattern Podcast. Uh, here we continue our discussion with Mark and Doug on the check ride and on any questions that uh, we have uh, on the check ride. So uh, without further delay, I give you the continuation of episode 7. So guys, uh, maintaining the segue that we've got going back to the check ride um, uh, between Mark and Doug, do you guys have anything that you can... Um, advice that you can give John or other listeners that, uh, that are getting close also, um, you know, advice for like the four days that John's got coming up or these five days, um, things that he could, he could do prepare for, um, phone calls he can make, you know, et cetera. Don't fail. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> no pressure on that answer, but thanks, Mark. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the. No. <laughs> I'll let Doug go first, and then I'll I'll add some if I if he yeah I I can't I can't tell you a lot on the C you know CSI technical. I guess my my advice to John or anybody from my perspective is you know go in knowing you know your stuff. Um, they would, your, your CFI is not going to turn you loose, um, to that. If he doesn't think you're going to pass, you know, your stuff, go, um, just go show them. I mean, I don't know how else to say that, but, uh, um, you're going to be nervous. Um, you're going to, um, you're going to make a mistake somewhere along the line. I know on both my check rides, I made, I made more than one mistake. Um, acknowledge the mistake, uh, if you're if and and show that show that DP that, that you're you know that you know that okay I'm starting to maybe my altitude's coming off a little bit oh yeah it's coming off show them that you're coming back to the standard um you know what else that what I would say is um at least the two I've had you know my experience is they were not out to um, they weren't out to to discontinue me. I mean, they wanted me to succeed as much as much as I did. I mean, but they you know, they got their their job to do. So know that going with confidence and just go have fun and fly and show them what you know. And if you don't know it all, the worst the worst case is they'll you're going to have to come back and fly more. I mean, I, I was in a position where you know I'm not doing this for a living, so. I mean, a discontinuance isn't wouldn't. I, I could have dealt with it, but if you go to that altitude, knowing you know this is what I know, I'm just going to show you what I know. I know, you know, I got people that think I, I know what I'm doing, and and go fly, have fun with it. <laughs> I don't know that that helps any specifics, but that was kind of the attitude I took, and it um, on on both of them, and you know your stuff. I mean, I've seen you on Twitter and stuff, John. So you you're going to do fine, buddy. Nice. There you go. 
Sure. Um, that was that was an excellent uh, excellent uh, way to look at kind of the the mental game going into it. Uh, if you don't have it, you know that's go in knowing that you know this stuff is definitely the mindset you want to have. I'll tell you, I, I tell every student if they ask, I'm very forthcoming in the fact that I have failed two check rides in my flight training, and that both times were due to me telling myself I was going to fail because I I thought. That I was, not that I I thought I wasn't ready, but that I was so nervous that I was like, well, I just I am not gonna be able to pass. There's just no way, and I didn't. And and the, I literally had one DPE say, if I could write pull head out of ass on the discon- discontinuing, <laughs> <laughs> but I've got to you know, I've got to put some sort of uh, area of operation here, and you know, I mean it was honestly like that. So. Don't tell yourself you're going to fail. Don't go in thinking that you're going to fail or that they're there to fail you. They're there to pass you. They, that's what they want. They took your money. They want to make more pilots. Just do the PTS, um, which, by the way, know your PTS standards. Know what he can, he or she can and can't make you do in the cockpit because there have been several instances where a DPE – this is more uh, later on in training. I haven't seen so much in the private um, but I'll give it for instance that uh, you're not supposed to cut an engine a multi on a multi-engine check ride. Not cut an engine with mixture or fuel on takeoff. Well, we had a uh, DP do that and then fail the student uh, because they weren't. They were basically kind of shocked at the fact that they just did that. Well, the next day after a nice call to the FAA, the DP comes in with their tail between the legs with a ticket. And, you know, made that person a uh, multi-engine pilot. So um, don't let them do anything to you that uh, is not in the PTS because they can't. They're not – they cannot do anything outside of the PTS um, on your check ride. Also, PTS standards, although they're a standard, they can uh, – if as long as you're not excessively exceeding the standards – and, in fact, I think it says that verbatim in the PTS standards – um, if the student excessively exceeds PTS standards, they have grounds to, to to have you come back another day. So if you bust one altitude here, you make another mistake, own up to it, recognize it, verbalize it, and and move on. And they have to tell you when you failed. So you cannot go through the rest of the check ride thinking that you failed, only to land and and say, oh, yeah, you're gonna have to come back another day. Or thinking, no. thinking that you passed and then fail you. Exactly. Yeah. They they have to tell you. So unless you hear, you know, otherwise you're you're still in the game. So you know, just go in there with confidence. Bring every book that you want, that you think you'll need, every you know piece of material, and just have fun. Treat them like a passenger. Don't treat them like an examiner. Treat them like that's your first passenger. Take them along for a little ride. Yeah, yeah. You're and your PIC. Don't forget that. Um... The first one I had that was hard. The second one was much easier. Um, I actually, the second DP actually told me if she did anything that was interfering with me flying the airplane, I had I had a pass to tell her to basically shut up. She didn't put it that way, but tell her to hold on or don't ask me that question or whatever until I complete the maneuver or whatever. And I actually used that twice. Um, I heard something well, about that, about, uh, you, you know, if the examiner's just jawjacking with you, you know, while you're trying to set up and line up for final, final you're like, you know, can you uh, quiet down for a minute so I can 
concentrate on the landing because you are PIC. It's yeah, true. Um, she asked me a, a series of three questions. Right, actually, she asked me to, re- and I don't know if this was a distraction. I don't know if she was trying to judge my my decision making skills. I don't know. Um, we're at the practice area. She says, "Let's go back and do landings." Um, and I'm ge- and and as I'm turning back and getting ready to dial up Adis and 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 we're not that far from from Centennial. She asked me a series of three questions. I don't even remember what the questions are right now, but I said, you know what? I'll answer those questions in a minute. Um, let me get ATIS. Let me get set up and get us, you know, run through the checklist and, and get headed back to the airport. And I did that. And then I said, okay, I don't remember what those three questions are. Why don't you give me the first one and we'll go from there? And she did. Um, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure she respected that. So could have been even what be she afraid. was looking for. That's probably what she was doing. It, it very well might have been, um, you know, um, that type of stuff is going to come. I can tell you that's going to come in your check ride. I think they have to to see how you deal with distractions, and that's one way to do it. Um, I don't know. I'm. I, don't, I think I'm older than a lot of you, so I've been around a little bit. So I'm. I, I don't mind telling people, you know, hang on or whatever. Or, but but don't. And it was harder the first time around. You know, that first check ride, you think the DPE's in charge, and, you know, they're not. You're the PIC. I mean, they, so don't forget to, to be PIC because that's, that's what they're looking for. They don't want you to go, you know, you, you got to be able to make a decision. So. Yep. Yeah, I think that's what me and Mark were talking about last episode was, um, Especially for me, like I'm, I'm what I'm about to be 23 at the end of the month, so I'm used to just always doing what older people or other people say to me, you know, because it's like a respect thing. They're older than me; they're more knowledgeable than me. It's DPE is hundreds more hours than I do, obviously. Um, it's and and me being a quiet person myself, you know, it's kind of I'm honestly scared to tell somebody like that to hey, hang on a second. It's not uh, easy. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know, but um you know, don't put the DPE on 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 a I mean, you want to be respectful, but you don't want to put them on a pedestal uh to where you you're afraid to say something that you know you should say. Especially if they're distracting you in a time where you need uh to be concentrating on on the uh, the task at hand cuz yeah. One they're probably doing it on purpose and they want you to do they want you to say something. Um, and two, that is r- real life. Whether you put your wife yeah. in the right seat, daughter, son, friend, um, they have no idea what is distracting or not. I mean, I, I cannot tell you the things that I've been asked in critical moments of flight where I'm just like, you picked this time to ask me that? <laughs> so yeah. it's it's good practice to say, hey, give me just one second. You know, you don't have to say shut up, but say, hey. Uh, I'd, li- I'd really like to concentrate on the task at hand. Give me just one second, and I will, I will come back to that. Try this one. Hey, if you don't be quiet, I'm going to crash. So can you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might not go over well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the other thing, and this is this was hard on both of them. Both of mine, they wanted me to do my passenger brief. Have you practiced your passenger brief? No, and that's the one thing I, I keep 
getting like I'm not quite sure what to put in each one because I know there's like a pass to reef when you get in. Like I know the seat belts are included in that, and how to open the doors and that kind of thing, but I don't know what else. Um, and then there's the before takeoff one. My instructor was like, "Yeah, you know, we're gonna go up, you know, above this feed or whatever. We're gonna do this if the engine fails." And like I, I don't really know what to. That's one of my questions here for for this is kind of the brief and what you guys say and um, you know what the DPE is looking for. That's something get, that's going to be up to the DPE. Um, yeah. Have your own script. It's a great, for me, it's a great place. I act, It's a great place to let the DPE teach you if they want to. So what I did with mine, I mean, there's some things you have to include, right? You got to include seatbelts. You got to include uh, how the door works. Um, I put, I actually... One of mine is these are live controls. I want you to know where they are and know that because it just, you know, I don't want you using it as, as a footrest or anything. So that's part of my passenger brief. Um, what else do I add? I add sterile cockpit in the pattern. So we talk about sterile cockpit. Um, and literally for my check ride, because you don't get a chance to practice this really. I mean, it's just not the same doing it for your CFI. But I have topics I know I want to hit. And then I'm like, um, we were supposed to be role-playing. I said, okay, that's that's what my briefing is. Um, and she said that, you know, that was good. I said, you know, you, you have anything you think I should have added to that? I actually asked her that. And she's like, yeah, I, I, f- I forget what she added. Um, um, she adds the fire extinguisher. Don't forget the fire extinguisher because I forgot it. Um that there is a fire extinguisher in it. I also, this is me, and I, I would love to hear our CFI talk about it, but I also tell them if we have an off-field landing, oh, that was the other thing I asked her. If we have an off-field landing, um, you know, I'll land the airplane right before we land. I'll ask you to uh, pop the door. Um, and then once we come to a full stop, I'm going to meet you the, um, behind the plane, uh, fifty at least 50 feet behind the plane. So in the Cessna, that, um, and we both have doors, and we're going to go out that way. So that's part of my briefing. When I miss CFI, that's Mark. a pretty good brief. Um, de- you know, definitely mention emergency egress. Um, I always tell passengers um, not to. Uh, you, you mentioned the controls. I always tell them to keep their feet away from the rudder pedals, um, unless I'm giving them the controls. And we and usually I don't talk about. Uh, you know, with with a passenger that's not a, a student about um, who's got the controls or not and how to pass flight controls, because uh, they'll net you know a passenger that's flying for one time will never remember. You know, I've got the controls and you've got the control. Okay, I've got the controls. Um, but also, my big thing is, uh, especially if it's another pilot or a DPE, um, I will tell them. I also tell this with passengers: is look, you're sitting in the right seat. Um, I'm gonna you. I can reserve the right to use you for anything during an emergency. And I'll tell them, especially DPE, um, we'll usually talk about, you know, okay, the student is going to be PIC or, you know, whoever's taking the check ride will be PIC. Um, I'll tell a student to, uh, to give them, give them responsibility, say, you know what, I'll fly the airplane, but I want you to handle the radios or um, even on private pilot check rides. If um, depending on the airplane, if there's not enough room, um, I'll have them brief the DPE on on stuff to hold, literally. I mean, 
uh, in the Satabria, there's just no room to put anything anywhere. And so I'll say, you know what, you t- you tell the DPE he's holding on to your uh, your E6B and your plotter in case he in case you need it. He's a warm body that that can hand you stuff in case you need it. So that's one thing to think about. And most DPEs are gonna will say they'll never say no. I promise you that no DPE will ever ever say I'm not gonna help you in the event of, of an emergency or I won't do this, I won't do that. But you know. Uh, flight, um, fly, or fire extinguisher, definitely if it's equipped, talk about it, point the, uh, to the DPE, say here's the location of it, because this might be the first time this DPE is flying in this particular airplane. I've had that on a couple of, uh, of occasions where they are just not familiar with the airplane. So walking them around and getting them familiar with how to open and close the doors, how to move the seat forward and back, where the fire extinguisher is, uh, things like that. Um, and then as far as takeoff briefings go, um, I give one for uh, an aborted takeoff uh, with, with runway remaining, uh, one without runway remaining, and then um, the rest of those briefings usually go with a multi-engine airplane um, as far as takeoff goes. But, you know, you want to talk about, you know, if, if your airspeed is not coming alive or you see an unsafe condition on the takeoff roll that you're going to abort the takeoff and maintain directional control with the, uh, on the center line. And come to a stop. Hopefully, exit the taxiway, and then um, brief the passenger or DPE on possible suitable landing areas. Should you have an engine failure on the upwind, is another one uh, that'll definitely show situational awareness, and that you're kind of you're forward thinking, um, which they'll they'll just love that. They'll eat that up. You mentioned some mouse that just came to mind is verbalize. If you're not the t- I'm I'm the type that's always talking to myself out loud anyway when I'm flying almost. But I heard when my CFI had a student who was a good student but didn't talk out loud about what he was doing. And so the DP, it just caused a lot of problems. So if you can, verbalize, explain why you're doing stuff to that, that DP. Call anything on, and everything. On everything. Yeah. Unless, unless they tell you, you know what, stop talking, yeah. they definitely want to hear check uh, you know i've never seen a dpe that did not want some sort of checklist items um verbalized you know they want to know what you're doing and they'll probably ask you hey what are you doing right now or what what are you doing here yeah um well and and if you take the initiative and use that i mean if right from the get-go you know you're on top of that and you're explaining things you know don't make things up but you know what you're doing (laughs) and you verbalize um you know, at least it's my belief, you know, as the ride goes along, it, it, you make that good first impression through it, you know, they're going to start seeing that you know what you're doing, and then you, you know, the, it, it, you still got to fly to the standards and everything, but it, it, you got a good thing going at that point. Absolutely. That definitely shows uh, commanding skills. Yeah, if you've seen yeah, any of my uh, YouTube videos, you hear me talking through um, the pattern and the checklist and so forth. It's yeah, good. don't forget your Gumps check or Nate. Denver Pilot will get all over you. For yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so half of it, it's like, I don't I, have that, I don't need that. I know, I totally feel like a dork going up there. Like, uh, undercarriage, yep, still welded on. Um, <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> Down and welded. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, mine is mine is when I do undercarriage, I get, I look out and I go, I got a wheel. Hey, do you have a wheel? <laughs> yeah, I call three. I call three green down and locked, even if it's a fixed gear airplane. <laughs> you know, I had 
going back to my first my first instructor, Eric Chips. Eric, if you're out there, I did finally make it. Um, but he was a I've had some interesting instructors, but he was you know bound for actually he's flying for Continental now. But he taught me flow right from the very beginning, uh, gumps check from the beginning, um, and some stuff that were was exactly designed for you know flying bigger and faster airplanes. But those habits, it's that rule of primacy, right? I do them. I I still do them. They're 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 down and welded. Yeah, I, I I never I never really did them in, until he mentioned it, and I started doing it. Um, my, my instructor has has never had me do that, and she is uber cautious. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm sure she she teaches several people, and she hasn't. She's probably not sure what she said from one person to the next, but you know. She's repeated things to me like multiple times. I'm like, as if it's the first time she's ever told it to me too. So, I don't know. does she have you do some sort of uh, before landing checklist? Well, I'm already like a beam the tower. When I'm a beam the tower, I said, uh, you know, on downwind, a beam the tower, first notch, first notch of flaps, and now carb heat. And I'm talking, and then I'm like. All right, turning base, second notch of flaps. Depending on where we are, you know, if it's a normal pattern, second notch of flaps. You know, I'm talking out loud, um, but but we've never went over, you know, uh, how are we on fuel um, or anything else like that. I mean, because I don't know, it's not. It would, I guess, it would be a little different if we're on a cross country and you weren't sitting right next to the airport the whole time. I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not. That's uh, that's but, how it was for me. But I'm never changing the I'm never changing the uh, the um, um, mixture. mixture. You know, it is what it is from the time I started up to the time I'm in the pattern. You know, it it stays the same. Yeah, for for the standard kind of 172 or uh, um, you know Cherokee. the light, you're really not change. Yeah, you're not really changing um, any conditions on the gunk check. You're just kind of Making sure Verifying nothing has changed, there. I guess. Right. Maybe with the exception, I guess, uh, I don't know, um, if the Cherokee, if you put the uh, the fuel pump on for the before landing checklist, in the arrow you do. Well, when we stay in the pattern, we just uh, it just stays on the whole time. Keep it on. Yeah, so you're not really changing a whole lot. Mm-mm. So the old, yeah, but I, if you, there's, you know. If you're in that habit, even, I mean, it's part of my... I don't know. I, I just, that's how I learn. I mean, I'm, and you know, when you're stressed, you're going to do what, how you, you're going to act, how you train. So yep. if she lets you add it in, add it in. Yeah. It's, well, I, yeah, she ain't going to mind it. And it's definitely not going to hurt anything to add it, to add that, no. uh, you know, area of safety. Do it. Cause it's a checks and balances kind of thing. It's uh, if you forget, if you get one, one of those items, um, on the before takeoff, you'll catch it on the before landing. Um, you'll say, you know, m- even the fuel pump, the electric fuel pump, it, you're not gonna, you know, fall out of the sky in a, uh, in a ball of fire if you don't forget the fuel pump on the takeoff because you've got your engine-driven fuel pump. Mm-hmm. But you want that on, and if that's policy, you'll say, oh, I, I forgot that. My gumps check took care of that, or, uh, you know, whatever flow check you use. And that's uh, another thing you want to. You can either ask the DPE or, or you know, do how you've been trained, but you know, if you do a flow check or an acronym check like GUMPS, some DPEs will want you to back it up with a physical checklist. 
Um, just so just be cautious of that. I've had a student fail once because he was doing a flow check, uh, and I always taught him to, uh, to to back it up with a, a physical checklist on any flow. But on the uh, engine failure in flight, uh, he did a flow check, hit everything except carb heat, which in a Cessna 172, uh, that's about the only thing that can cause the engine to fail, short of catastrophic engine failure or fuel starvation, uh, is is carb ice maybe. So, I was going to say carb heat's probably item one on the checklist, if I had to guess, or pretty close. Pretty close to it, if not one of the first, um, which he happened to miss and, and did not verify it with a checklist and was failed for it for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, the DP's, re, uh, his kind of motto is, you know, I love flow checks because I was brought up on them, but you will back them up with a uh, with a checklist, especially if, and if you miss something, there's no mercy. So be, uh, you know, just a word of advice on that. And that's going to be something that's totally dependent on the DPE. But yeah. but for, um, like, engine outs and that kind of thing, um, regardless, would you recommend actually pulling out the checklist for that? Because I feel I like would, sometimes it's kind of like a rush situation. You have the flow so you can immediately get to stuff, pick out your landing spot, get ready. If you have the time to troubleshoot the engine, I would recommend do and verify. So that's basically what the flow and back it up with the checklist is doing it's you're doing your flow okay or whatever you've been taught to do you know whether it's an acronym or or a flow check of of things to check and make sure that the condition is set for uh, you know restarting that engine and then backing it up with the checklist you know while you're going to your landing spot or or whatnot now if you're not troubleshooting you're you're so low that you're just landing then no but um, in this particular instance, okay. um, my DPE usually takes students, um, you know, right after they're cross country, does unusual attitudes, and then an engine failure, and, and by that time they're five thousand five hundred. So that's more than enough time to to break out that checklist. I mean, you could have in a Cessna, you can have a cup of coffee in a Danish by the time <laughs> you're, uh, you're ready to land. What'd you say, five thousand five hundred? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. We're not off the ground at 5,500. <laughs> I've never been to 5,000. Are you serious? Really? Even yeah. on your cross-country, you didn't get up to that? 4,500. Wow. wow. On my cross-country, I plan on getting to... Um, Nine. Did we talk about you're going to be close to, what was it, eight? Nine? Well, I, I we're doing a completely different one now. Oh. Um, let's see. On the way to Coolidge, 5,500. On the way home... Mm, only 6,500, and then we'll see. We'll, we'll see where uh, Sky Harbor puts me for my uh, Class Bravo transition. No, I may plan for that. I may plan for 55 or 65 um, for my my cross country for the check ride, like the plan. You're at sea level also, so. Yeah. I'm at, so usually, I'm at, I'm at 1,500, so I'm already cheating. And. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, for for like the short trips to um. Cambridge is about a 35-minute flight. You know, if we're going um, there, we're flying at 3,500 feet. Um, back, we're flying at 4,500 feet because it's kind of pointless to go up the extra for some portions of it because we already have to come down to get under the class Bravo anyway. All right, so do I have everybody beat? Because our my field of elevation is 5885. <laughs> my cross country was done at 9,095. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Deer Valley? Deer Valley's pretty high, though, isn't it? Yeah, 14 and some change. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. The whole yeah. most of the city's about there. Mark and I are probably the lowest. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I've never so do you, so no so who who routinely leans for best power on the ground? <laughs> I do in the summer. We, okay. Yeah. I've been told to, but I forget a lot. It's it's part of my routine. I don't think you can get get away without doing it. Yeah, you, well, you have to if you want yeah. to get off the ground. And actually, if you guys ever fly here, even in Denver, that's what gets a lot of people at low altitude. That's why yeah. we're always in our podcast, always talking about density altitude. That's everything. So. Now, now, what elevation, um, I guess the marks, are you guys at? I'm at 400. Uh, one, of, one, of my, one of my airports is at 115 and the other one is at 1530. 21. That's pretty low. Yeah, so I think I got you beat. I, I I thought for sure, Mark, you would you would be a little bit lower, but that's I forgot that you're you're in uh, Walnut Creek area there. Yeah, Livermore uh, is four hundred. Well, it's three ninety seven. Um, Concord is a uh, hundred, so it's a little lower, but yeah, a little bit higher what, than sea level. One seventy six is the highest I've been airport wise. I think. <laughs> wow, a lot of terrain. Yeah. I don't well, even know what a plane. I've never flown. I think the lowest I've flown an airplane was at Oshkosh, whatever the altitude was there. That's some that's some thick air. Of course, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll throw the, I'll throw this out at you, Doug, and, and Mark can do this too because I know he's probably flown up to uh, to Tahoe. But um, cruising altitude to get over the Sierras is eleven five. Yeah. So if you want to go into Tahoe or Truckee, you got to pop up to about eleven eleven five to to do it safely. Yep. Yeah, yeah I've done that a couple times. Truckee and Tahoe, Truckee especially, because it's a it's a six thousand foot airport if I remember correctly. Something like that, yeah. Um, the density altitude there is a killer every year. Yeah, and I I I have not done mountain flying, so if you look at Colorado, um, the whole eastern part of the state is a great it's one big flat prairie, so it's a great place to train. So around here, all your training's done to the east, and my next adventure with civil air actually my next adventure is with civil air patrol i'm working on my four and five um in a 182 so i get to jump up a plane but they have a pretty good mountain flying course and that's where i'm going to start learning my mountain flying so cool but yeah there's 11.5 won't get you over some of the passes around here um to get um to the western half of the state Hmm. so you get um, if you ever get Denver pilot on, talk to him. He just did that. Would be an interesting talk because he just did the mountain flying course, went up to Leadville in his 182, and was he was even surprised at uh, how much performance he didn't have. Um, now, Nate's 182 is not a turbo, correct? Nope, not turbo. Yeah, that, that makes it tough. Yeah, especially up there. Yeah. S- speaking of courses. Um... If you guys, have you guys been watching that uh, Alaska Wingman show? No, is it I on yet? It. Oh, oh yeah. I my sister told me yesterday on the phone. She goes, "Oh, have you watched that Alaska?" No, I said, "No, I've been meaning to to uh, record it, but I haven't put it on my DVR yet." She goes, "Oh, it's on right now." So I was like, "You know, I was in the middle of a movie. I paused the movie. I went on uh, and I and I recorded. I had three episodes recorded last night, and I've already watched them all." <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> but it's so cool. Um, but speaking of courses, 
there's a guy, and uh, I, I told my wife tonight, I go, I've got our vacation plan, not for this year, but for next, because by, you know, by then I'll have some hours underneath my belt. But there's a guy, his name's Don, and he runs, uh, he runs Alaska Floats and Skis. And um, he's a, he's a, he has courses that he teaches. He's got a bush pilot course, a float rating, or the winter ski flying. And uh, for 1800 bucks, I want to do this bush pilot course. It's uh, nice. You get three nights lodging and five hours of flight time, um, two to three hours a day of theory. And the bush pilot course, um, you, you learn the off-airport techniques. You're landing on the sandbars and stuff like that. Um, and uh, landing on the, on the roads, on the highways, which is completely legal for bush pilots. Um, and they're showing that stuff on, on TV, you know, that he's got a, he's got a student pilot. And, and uh, they're like, okay, that semi just passed. All right, crank it in there. And they're getting down and landing on a freeway right behind the semi, you know. And then, and then just pulling off the side of the road. Um, but yeah, it's eighteen hundred bucks, and you can bring an extra person, a non-flying friend, for free. So, perfect thing for the husband-wife getaway. Nice. I've got a couple of friends up in the Anchorage area that uh, they keep trying to talk me into coming up there. But uh, they're they're both pilots. They both uh, they both have commercial, and I think one's an ATP. But uh, they uh, they have their own. Um, they've got a Beaver, and. Uh, They'll fly that out, take guys out, but the the other guys he'll he flies a I want to say it's a King Air. He does med flights from Anchorage down to Seattle, uh, and he also ferries planes back and forth. He's like, oh, when you get your license, come up and see me. He goes, we'll have a great time. He goes, I'll put you to work. I'm like, okay, in my spare time I'll do that. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I I'd love to be able to go up and do the same thing, go up to Alaska and fly. I think that'd be a kick. Yeah, this is uh, in uh, Talkeetna, Alaska. Um, cool, and uh, it just it looks amazing. Looks just like a ton of fun. But that show is really great. I uh, highly recommend you getting that on your DVR ASAP. What's it called again? It's called Alaska Wingman. Two words. Alaska uh, Wingman's two words. Oh, there it is. I'm DVRing it now. There we go. Yeah, I just DVR'd it. <laughs> <laughs> I would, but my wife just told me we're changing providers next week. So. Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, they uh, they they'll they have different things, you know. They got you know, uh, one guy's you know ferrying uh, mail and his and his uh, grum and goose, and then picking up uh, people that live on this island to take them to somewhere else so they can leave to go somewhere else. And then there's you know just hikers up on uh, Mount uh, was it McKinley? Uh, yeah, Mount McKinley, right in Alaska, highest peak in, in North America, uh, picking up hikers. They're landing. On the glacier, and uh, there's all these crevasses um, under, you know, that that the runway is, you know, over top of, and so this girl's going out there with like a 10-foot pole, and and this pole's like disappearing in this crevasse that that this uh this this big plane, uh, it's a turbine something, I don't know what it is. It it looks like it's twice as big as like a Kodiak, um, but uh, landing on these things with these holes underneath of it that you can't see, you know, scary stuff. Um, and also, uh, like, uh, uh, not not light not life flight, but it's called something else. But like what you were talking about, Mark, Mark they uh, they're flying out of Anchorage and then flying to other parts of Alaska because Anchorage only has the only the only type of uh, you know full service hospital that can take emergencies and stuff. Right. All right. 
So maybe we should flip the segue and go, and go back to John. John, do you have questions you want to ask I, these guys? I do. I have a couple questions here. Um, one that I haven't actually – this is one of the things I'm doing tomorrow night um, is diversions. Um, and I guess this is more of a – how's he going to do it in the check ride? And what um, – since I haven't actually done it, and I know – I'm sure Mark and Chris, you haven't done cross countries yet. You don't know how to do it either. Nope. Um, what are they looking for? Because like I was watching the King School videos, and he's doing a like hand guesstimating how far it's going to be. Um, you know, are we doing stuff like that, or should I have a plotter and an E6B there and literally pull it out and plan like I would on the ground for that? Doug, I'll let you take that first. Um, um let's see. I did have my E6B. Um, I, 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 um, the DP actually did not have me estimate the distance in the air on the diversion, but my, my, uh, face check pilot, we have to, uh, Jeff, we have to fly with the chief pilot. He did. And I, um, I just estimated the distance from him. And then the E6B, I learned this in my, if you learn how to do time and distance on that, I don't. It's so simple once you once you know it. I mean, at least it was for me. Maybe it could be my generation too. I don't know, guys. But um, um, as opposed to trying to pull out a calculator or do it in my head, I can pull out the E6B and it's just I can do time and distance with that. So I actually use that. Does that answer your question, or did I miss part of it? No, I think that was that was pretty much it. Um, I'll add to that by saying. Uh, Call your DPE and ask because, um, one, they'll be very forthcoming in telling you um, how they do uh, a diversion. Um, one of the D- It varies um, quite differently between DPE um, here um, with the, the DPEs we use. The one that I use the most, he is like he, – he combines the diversion with um, – loss procedures so you're on your cross country uh if your first checkpoint goes fan you know fantastic he puts you under the hood you do your thing um he gets you lost or tries to at least you come out of the hood and he says okay i want you to tell me where you are and then i want you to get me to the nearest airport and that's his diversion and so you know using pilotage dead reckoning or radio nav he wants you to get to the nearest airport from wherever you think you are. And he wants to know with some amount of accuracy um, where you think you are. He doesn't have you pull out an E6B. He doesn't have you pull out a plotter. He just wants you to get to the nearest airport. So um, can you push the nearest button? Th- yes. You know, that was exactly what I was going to ask because even in the <laughs> Archer 2 that I fly, um, we've got a, a very basic um, – very basic GPS. I was going to ask it. Can I hit the, the the nearest and actually pull up? Say, okay, I'm four miles from this airport. Absolutely, because guess what? In the real world, that's how you're going to do it. Yeah, uh, that's excellent. Good, um, Mark. If you if you go to Calaveras and see yeah. Rob Davids for your check ride, yeah. expect that. Okay. Unless he tells you differently, unless he gets you know kind of froggy and says, you know what, I don't want you to use that. But no, I mean, um, uh, back when I did my single engine uh, commercial, I I did just that. I said. What uh, what do I have available to me? And he says anything you want. I said okay, nearest direct inner inner on the 430, and and I went right there and uh, 
Can I pull out my 396 out of my bag? Absolutely. Because you oh. do that. This uh, Rob Davids, uh, who I um, I send most of my students to him um, now, you know, because I did I did three check rides with him, and I, I just think he's a phenomenal DPE. Um, he's so he's the most real world DPE you'll ever meet, and you know if how how he wants to see how you will fly in real life. He doesn't want you to put on a dog and pony show and and just smile and do things the way he, uh, you think he wants you to do them. He wants you to do them the way you're going to do them. As long as it's, you know, obviously within the realm of safety and legality. Um, but yeah, you know, if you have a handheld GPS, ask him, it, you know, if, uh, they'll, they'll tell you if the DP doesn't tell you how they're going to do a diversion, they're just doing you a disservice anyway. And you may not even want to fly with them. Um, they'll be, they'll be forthcoming and they'll tell you what they want to see, but you're, you're uh, hitting on so Mark. That's real important too. even broad, broader brush is that what I'll call the DPE brief or Intel on the DPE you're going to fly with every, I mean, your CFI talking to the DPE, but, but getting to know what they're looking for ahead of time is, is, is critical. I did that for both of mine and that was hugely helpful. Yeah. And it's not cheating. It's really not. Uh, no, because there's, there are some DPEs. I mean, if you read your PTS standards, you don't have to do everything you've learned. Um, for instance, you don't have to do all three of those ground reference maneuvers. In fact, you're, I can almost guarantee you you're not going to do rectangular patterns because you do that in the pattern. Um, that's where they satisfy that requirement. Usually they'll have you do one other one um, at either your choice or their choice, but that's that's kind of the beauty of it is they'll tell you. Um, there's, I've not met a DPE yet that is not willing to tell you exactly how the check ride is going. You know, so all those gouges... Yep. If, if any of your flight schools, you know, gave you a gouge on the DPE that you might be going with and you're like, wow, uh, I should sell this on eBay because it's so coveted and, and it's so secretive. Well, no, it's uh, literally all you got to do is call the guy up and say, um, I'm going to I'm interested in doing a check ride with you. I thought I'd give you a call and, and just and, you know, just chat with you a bit about how the check ride is going to go and start to finish. They'll tell you. That's very cool. Hey, John, do you do you, you already have your. Your DPE's number? Yes, I do, actually. Um, the school pretty much uses one guy, uh, and I know they have for years, because I know people 10 years ago that were using this guy. Um, actually, a family friend had him as a um, an examiner when he got his private. So, um, you know, I've, I've heard a lot about him. I got his email now, his um, phone numbers of this week since we scheduled. So, Good thing about that is that it's going to be probably pretty standard um, and everybody's they're they probably already were prepping you. If that's your only DP, they've they've been prepping you since the beginning to to fly with that guy anyway. Oh yeah, they have. I mean, my instructor's like, yeah, he's gonna pull your engine a couple times. You're probably gonna get a flight plan to Norfolk, which is what I got. Um, you know, he's like, he's gonna probably divert you to one of these three airports. Um, you're gonna go and do this. We're gonna go out and do the um, tomorrow and Thursday morning. We're gonna go do turns around a point and uh, S turns. Um, and he's going to show me a couple railroad tracks and roads in the area that I can use for that, since that's kind of going to be where we're going to be at. So um, that's been kind of nice because it's it's been I, I have a lot more of what to expect without even having to talk to him. Yeah, absolutely. And to touch on the diversion stuff again is uh, um, the worst case scenario. The, wor the worst they'll have you do is whip out a plotter, draw to that point. Um, measure it, get a uh, a rough um, guesstimate on a 
on a course to turn to, and a rough estimate on fuel and time, uh, which is not it's not hard. It's not unbelievably hard, especially if you remember, you know, 120 knots is uh, two miles a minute. So you can uh, you can kind of fa- you know factor how long it's going to take you, and then uh, just base you know just rough estimates is is usually what our our other DPs that actually make you do whip out the uh, the plotter. Um, they won't have you do E6B calculations, but they want to know uh, an educated guesstimate of how long it's going to take and how much fuel it's going to take. Do you ask them to take the plane while you're doing that? You could. You're the pilot in command. Uh, My DP they... would not let me do that. She made it pretty clear. I was just going to say. I, mean, I could. But... Yeah, it's, it's going to be totally up to the DP. I mean, I, I, Rob Davids. Um, if you tell them to hold a sectional or you tell them to take the plane for a second while you adjust your seat or um, while you want to plot something, abs- he'll take it. He- he's one that will take the controls. But it's one of those things where it's totally up to the DPE and, and their mood for the day, whether they let you use the GPS, whether they'll take the controls for you or uh, or whatnot. I'm assuming it's the same and for she like was very up- <laughs> I'm sorry, say again? I'm assuming like the same for the autopilot because we have an autopilot in that too. That'd be kind of nice. Just plop it and just hold my roll right now and my altitude. Let me do this, and then I'll click it off. Our DPs require that you demonstrate use of the autopilot. Yeah. Really? Yeah. If it's got one and it's uh and it's working, huh? Right. If it's if it has one and it's not placarded in op, they want you to, to show them the operation on how to use it because you're you know in the real life you're going to be using it, so it's fair game. Cool. So now is that something that actually falls within the PTS? I know it's I know it's in the instrument PTS, but I believe there is a I believe there's something about in the in the private um, uh, any and all equipment on board something like right. that. Right, it's something something about any and all equipment uh, can be uh, can be asked uh, for demonstrated use unless it's placarded. So it's yeah, it's fair game if it's in. I know in just one example, um, but in our plane we have one. And and I um I never turned it on. So, and basically told her, told her up front, if you want me to demonstrate how to use this, I can. But for this flight, I'm not going to use it. I'm going to hand fly because that's how I've flown the plane the whole time. And she was fine with that. So, I was actually going to so ask be, my instructor be, if if we could turn it on just to see how it worked on my on my cross country because it's in the plane. We've never turned it on yet. So. Yeah, I've, I've, never, I've never flipped the one in in two one mic. I've never flipped it on either. I've used it. I've used it on solo cross countries, on dual cross countries, and it's so much nicer. Yeah. Yeah. You mean it's it does? Big, I didn't get introduced to mine till the cross country, but so make sure you know how to turn it on and fly it. Yeah. Yeah, and disengage it properly. Yep. Absolutely. Or make sure it's placarded. <laughs> yeah. Which, if you don't if you don't know how to use it and you don't want to use it, <laughs> placard it. <laughs> or you can uh, in airplane, it's it's you pull the um, circuit breaker and you don't actually have to put the in op on it. Mm, okay. Interesting. As, as long as because um, in the actual um, um, pilot information manual, it has in there in the supplements and all the checklists and stuff. If it's on operational or anything, the correct procedure is just pull the circuit breaker and don't use it for the flight. Yeah, but if if um, 
if if it's operational in the plane, this would be my understanding of it. If you pull a circuit breaker, DPA pushes that circuit breaker and says, "Okay, it's working now." <laughs> I'd be upfront about it. I don't think I'd say, "Oh, look, that circuit breaker's out." Oops. <laughs> well, I mean, because um, you pull it if it's if out. It, if it's not, um, I, I I don't know. If, I don't know. I think you still need to placard it. Yeah, that's because ninety-one two thirteen. I no, what would it be? Yeah, what? I don't know. My instructor said you don't have to actually placard that one, and we it's part of the tests in the checklist that you have to t- test it before takeoff during right. the run-up. And if it doesn't work, you pull the circuit breaker and that makes it in-op for that flight. So that, oh, that could, that could be fuzzy depending, not necessarily depending on the DPE, but if you're, if you were ever, I, uh, you would never be ramp checked. In. I mean, that would just never hardly ever be an issue, but, uh, if it's known in operational, it should be placarded and, and I mean the the power source the the electrical source is disconnected with the breaker, but I believe also there's something in there about zip tying the breaker, if I remember correctly. You got to actually prevent um, prevent it from being pushed back in if it's if hmm. it's actually in op. I'd have to look at that again though. Yeah, no, that was just my understanding. Our, our tech. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I and I. I, I know I flew in training that way. I don't know in the DP in my check grade. If it didn't work, I, I'd still do the flight. For ours, it's just a switch to turn it off and just turn it off. And you can still fly it if it's not operational. I mean, if it if it doesn't pass the pass the check, you just can't use it. So. Yeah, and I think in the room we all we all know we're not going to go back to the ramp to get a in-op sticker and put it on there, you know, as far as the real world goes, I think people know how, how that goes, but um, take a look at 91, I think it's 91.213 if I remember correctly, it'll have it in there about uh, 2.13 or 2.17 has the Sweet. I love it when we quote FARS guys, <laughs> that's so cool Hang on, I have this ESC <laughs> required equipment 91205 should be required. 91213 is in operative instruments equipment. So is it required equipment to fly? No. So you, you can placard it. Anyhow. Yeah. I got I to get going, fellas. I got I got kids looking at me cross-eyed. And, <laughs> yep. And mine, just, mine just popped in, too. So. <laughs> well, thanks for dropping in, Doug. Yep. Hey, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know. You're gonna do fine on your check ride, man. Just go, go knock it out of the park. You'll do fine, John. Um, enjoy, yeah. enjoy the flight, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so most of all, enjoy it. Enjoy your guys' podcast. I've just been catching up on that. I've got so far behind on podcasts when I was studying up for check rides. Um, I got caught caught up on your your podcast. Good stuff. So, thank you for the support. We appreciate it. All Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Congrats on your recent ticket, and thanks again for coming on with us. Yeah, congrats, Doug. Great, thanks. Talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. See ya. All right, bye. Any other uh, questions or concerns about the checkride? My my last two questions I'd written down were, um, one, VFR flight plan. Okay. Um, uh, what's my, I mean, should I do that on the checkride? Um. You're probably not going to file. You could file it if you want. You're probably not going to activate it. Okay. Um, because you're going to be doing a diversion and then maneuvers. 
Uh, I doubt the DP is going to have you actually file and activate. And you'll know that well beforehand. You know, before when you go into the uh, into the oral, you'll have your flight plan there, and you can ask them then if uh, if you want them to go. You know, go ahead and file. Yeah, because uh, just another thing watching the King videos, he did, and then he canceled the flight plan on the diversion, and I'm like, I, should I even bother? Because I've actually never done a flight plan, like actually filed one. So I've done flight following, just not a flight plan. So I don't even really, I don't know. I gotta look. I gotta look up on how to do all that. Yeah, filing it's kind of a pain in the butt because uh, you can't you can't um, open and close it um, with an ARTCC. You have to do it with either I think flight service. No, I have to remember. I I mean I haven't filed a flight plan in, in forever. Usually I, what I'll do is I'll have students call one eight hundred WX brief and yeah. file it there. That's what I did. Um, See that's and, how I'd file it. I just wouldn't know how to activate it. Yeah, if you call a flight service station. Um, They'll activate it for you, and you cancel with them. That's that's kind of the pain, though. Is like you're, you know, if you want to get flight following and all that, you got to call a different frequency to open and close your VFR flight plan. Yeah, it'd be kind of cumbersome. Yeah, when when we were getting ready to uh, to do ours on on Sunday, uh, we'd got our weather brief and then uh, um, filed the flight plan, and uh, of course we never ended up going, so the flight plan was never officially open, so I didn't need to close it. But it was going to be a real, you know, kind of a sticky wicket there, um, as my instructor said, because our first destination was going to be Scottsdale Airport. It's only nine miles away. So I was going to climb up um, and uh, have to open my flight plan, right, and and get ATIS for Scottsdale and then get a clearance to enter the airspace and land (laughs) all within nine miles. It was going to be a very busy uh, five minutes. That's a little tough. (laughs) Yeah. So and again, going to some real world stuff, you know, flight following is some so much more effective at determining your position if if you're in a radar radar coverage area than a, than a flight plan would ever be, VFR anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you know, m- most of the time, especially for check rides, they're not so inclined to uh, to f- actually file it. I mean, you, you never know though. Okay. Um, my only other real question and i know this is going to be very drastically by dpe but just as a um kind of guesstimating um like how long the whole thing is going to be because my friend told me he had a four hour oral, four hour oral portion that which scares which scares me um <laughs> i thought it'd be more like a two hour so I was wondering if I was right on that or... So four because he was getting several questions wrong, so he kept going back and reiterating things a different way to see if he'd get it right? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, that's that's odd. Um, that's a very long oral for a private pilot check ride. That's... I'd be like, can we go get lunch yet? <laughs> I mean... And he didn't get lunch, is what he said too, which kind of... <laughs> that's just mean. <laughs> Very long. Uh, yeah. What are you hearing? Was this the same DPE that you're going with? No, it's a different. It was this flight school I initially started at, but I'm not there anymore. Okay. Um, what have you heard as far as uh, oral times for uh, the guy you're going with? Um, how- I haven't actually heard too much on the times with him. Okay. I just know I'm supposed to be there at 7 in the morning. I wouldn't think uh, you'd go longer than two hours for the oral, to be honest with you. That, four hours is a long time. 
that's about i mean you're getting in, into the realm of a uh, cfi initial orals and and those are the ones that are um historically known for being very long orals but yeah. uh you know i i think two hours is pretty fair game to talk about things you're going to be learning a lot during that process anyway um and a half an hour is going to be eaten up by your paperwork as well. So, but four hours—that's that's sounds a little long to me. Okay. And then the last thing, I'm sitting here kind of planning my route. I'm going from Martin State MTM to um, Norfolk, which is, uh, I believe, OEF. But I've got a lot of. Um, I, I'm in an area. You know, we've got the S, the DCSFRA, the. Um, Patuxent Naval Air State or yeah, Naval Air Station had a lot of restricted area. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm basically kind of going out of my way to stay out of like the SFRA and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious as to whether like, you know, obviously they're looking at my flight playing and stuff. If I'm going out of my way to stay out of areas, even if I can go in them, I just don't feel like dealing with it. Is that like an issue for a lot of people or? I don't think so, um, and I, I wouldn't think uh, the DPE would have a problem with it. Uh, the reason why he gave you that route is because he wants to ask you about all those things on, along the way. Yeah. So he'll probably ask you about, well, why'd you avoid this? Well, why are you going around here, or, or could you go through if you wanted to? So he's going to ask you. that. Those are the, the only reason he gave you that flight plan, you know, he knows you're not going to fly that whole thing. You know, you're going to go to one, one or two checkpoints, and that's it. So Yeah. He's doing that so he can ask you about restricted areas and about the Sephra and and all that stuff. Um, but if you say, you know, I, I here's what it is. I know all about it. Uh, I can fly through it. I just would choose not to. Um, I don't think that's there's anything wrong with that in my mind. Yeah. I don't think a DPE would have a problem with that either because I'm sure most people do avoid that um, to avoid the headache. Yeah, because the SFRA is a pain. I started training in that. And it's just, it's obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think that's a problem. But like I said, he's he did that so he could ask you about everything along the way. Yeah. How long are the uh, check rides normally? Um, flight time, you know, hour to an hour and a half, depending on how long it takes you to kind of get out of the area and where you can do the, you know, ground reference maneuvers, things like that. Mm-hmm. We're pretty fortunate in... in like I said, I go up to Calaveras. Uh, that's where I send 99% of my students. And so coming out of Calaveras, it's a very short distance um, from where you would do your first checkpoint to where you would divert and also where you would do your ground reference maneuver. So that it's kind of a a very small square area. And then obviously uh, coming back to do the pattern work. Mm. So you don't have to go uh, – Far. You don't have to get out of any, you know, there's no Bravo airspace around there or, or congested airspace that you have to get out of uh, to, to be able to do that stuff. So um, hour to an hour and a half is what I would expect. Uh, you're not going to go longer than, than two hours by any means. I think one even an hour is probably a stretch. Huh. I'm sorry, even an hour, an, and a half. Sorry, an hour and a half. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm sorry, an hour and a half is probably stretching it. Yeah, our, uh, our um, northwest practice area that we practice in is... A little bit of a flight. It's you know, it's 15 minutes, I guess, just to get there. Yeah. So I guess I, I guess I would make my, uh, my, my I'd make my flight plan in that general direction then. Yeah. Instead of heading heading away from it and 
and uh, then having to travel back that distance to get get back into it to do the ground reference maneuvers and so forth. Yeah, that's kind of how my flight plan is. It's kind of heading that way. Um, there's over a, the there's, bay, so I'm already over there. There's other practice areas along that way, I suppose, because I pass, you know, uh, like for example, on this flight plan, I pass, you know, four airports just to get to the one where I'm going to land at. Um, so there's other practice areas along that way. It's just I'm not used to that area, so I don't want to be in an area that I'm not used to flying over frequently to to be uh, tasked with. Okay, I've just pulled. You know, you've just lost your engine. Where you're going to land, and you're not used to looking. You know, knowing the spots in your head where you're where you've picked before. You know, that's yeah. that's kind of another concern I have is when I'm in the practice area. Before every other time I've been in the practice area, it's been with the instructor. You kind of do it. And then you head back, he kind of guides you on your way back. Um, I'm a little worried about doing all these maneuvers and then kind of losing track of where I am. Uh, the beauty of uh, situational awareness. Yeah, I just, that's my biggest worry right now. Hmm. Just well, what about, what about um, you know, your runway heading is what? 3-3. I'd, I'd start heading somewhere in that general direction then and then start looking for your landmarks. Yeah, I mean, I know the the general. It's if I go west, I'm gonna hit the bay um, and figure it out. I just, I don't know. I, it's just something I, I worry about. I don't necessarily know if it's gonna be an issue, but I just I worry about it. It shouldn't be. I mean, especially if uh, you know you're at least a little familiar with the area, and you know, just revert to your training. I mean, take that sectional out. It's actually really good practice. If uh, just tell your instructor next time, hey, don't. Uh, don't help me out here. I want to try to get back by myself and yeah. try to pick up those visual references. And then if you can't, uh, start looking at some uh, some navigational references. We have a lot of old uh, um, old World War II uh, air bases that are abandoned. Um, and they're easy to spot because they're usually triangles, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are pretty pretty cool to, uh, to be able to spot and find. Um, and uh, Luke Air Force Base still has... Uh, um, ILS um, approaches activated at some that they practice from time to time. Not that I ever want, want to land on one of those old <laughs> runways because they're never maintained, but they're there. Cool. Lots of uh, there's there's several uh, um, uh, automobile proving grounds around here too. Like the Toyota one has a 10 mile oval. That's an easy one to hit from the practice area. We might get That's shot. Nice. We get. We might got. Sh- we might get shot down, going over top of it at a low altitude. But uh, they they uh, they freak out as soon as you start flying over that. All the cars scatter, and get underneath <laughs> covered parking. They don't want anyone up there with long range zoom lenses getting anything that's new. Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah. How funny. Mm-hmm. Well, anything else, guys? I think that covers most of my stuff. Just get back to studying everything, all my weather, all my, um, you know, the POH and the far aim, which yeah, I have not left all week. If you have an oral exam guide, too, they are... Uh, yeah, we do. <laughs> I do, yeah. Good. That's, and I would definitely bring that in to uh, the uh, the oral. I've never seen a DP not allow that. One, it, it references, you know, the far everything. and everything. Yeah, it, it, 
it's citing official source, uh, referencing official uh, information. So, good to fair know. game. Good to know. Yep, and tab it definitely. So, it, speaking of that one question, oh, I'm sorry. Um, that one question you said about you know get you lost where's the nearest airport? Uh, I'm flying an airplane that has uh, dual Garmin 430s in it. Should I not? Uh-huh. I, I, is he going to put like sticky notes over top of it to where I can't see the map? He could. Yeah. Fair game, I guess. Could. He should. It is. He really it's should, fair. I suppose. You know, if he really wanted to, because I mean, how hard will it be to glance over and go, "Yeah, there's three airports. You pick one. <laughs> We're right yeah, there." He definitely could, and and you know, it varies between our DPs whether they let you use the the GPS or not. But I mean, how, you know, if you look at it in a real world situation, how. Um, slim are the chances that both of those 430s are going to go out mm-hmm. you know um so you're going to at least have one if you don't have a total power failure to get you to the nearest airport in a uh, in an emergency or you know something some type of situation like that so that's that's very real world yeah to see uh, to see you use that but like i said there's a lot of older dps that that hate electronics they want to see the e6b and a plotter and you can't use the gps yeah my, um, my instructor's again, like 74 years old. He probably hates that thing, man. <laughs> it's a, it's a woman on top of that. <laughs> oh, she probably hates that thing. No, the, That's right, I remember her. Yeah. No, um, yeah, she, no, she don't, um, you mean the Garmin? Yeah. Yeah, no, um, yeah, she's cool with it. Um, matter of fact, she's kind of frustrated right now because uh, they're, they're menu-wise, they're set up the same, but for some reason the top one has lost... Um, airspace uh the bottom one will show airspace but the top one won't for some reason and the menus are set up exactly the same so press know. clear i don't know what's going on there just clear clear if you if you hit clear it it um i forgot what it's called on the garments but it basically oh declutter oh clear declutter. is declutter uh-huh. so, so if you keep hitting clear it'll it'll declutter until it gets to the lowest value and then it'll go back to the top where it shows everything again oh so it's somewhere in between right now huh probably i see yeah We'll try that next That's time. That's my first game. All right. Yeah, give that a shot. I'll let you know how that goes. Cool. Um, so my only other thing that I just thought of is, um, you know, what what to take into a check ride. Uh, obviously, I'm going to have the far aim. We're going to have I'm going to have the uh, the PTS with me. Um, you know, an AFD, my sectional. I have an airplane encyclopedia of aeronautical knowledge from the FAA. I have. Um, Did you say a check ride, or um, are you talking about the oral? The oral. I mean, oh, the whole thing. Okay. That, that day. It's like you don't need all that um, to fly. <laughs> no, but like when I go down and I sit in front of him at the oral portion, you know, I want to have all these books there. Um, and then the oral exam guide. Is there anything else I should think about taking with me, or should have, or? Um, if there's that kind of anything thing. that you've ever used to to get any kind of knowledge on leading you up to the check ride. I would bring it. Now you're you're only going to use a very you know you're going to use a fraction of those in all seriousness. You're not going to use yeah. them. Um, you know you're really going to pull information from the far end because you can't remember every regulation. So you're you're going to be going in there to look up some stuff. Uh, definitely, the jet book is mostly uh, you know you may pull stuff. I'm sorry, your private pilot book, whatever you choose, whether it's Jefferson or ASA or 
you know, whatever whatever flavor you have for a private pilot manual, you may you may go into there for something. He may ask you something that that can't quite remember and you want to look up. So, I say uh, better in your flight bag than at home. I would bring I would bring anything and everything you think it might even give you the slightest uh, slightest bit of information possibly for that check ride. Okay. But definitely far aim, definitely oral exam guide. Um, private pilot handbook would be, you know, a good one. You know, you're going to have the POH in the airplane. Um, and I actually have a copy of, uh, that they made me get to that I'll have with me. There you go. And that has been, I, I, I was reluctant to buy it initially cause it costs money. Um, and being a student pilot, you have to buy all this crap and you're like, I don't have money for anything else, but, um, you know, you maybe get it, and man, that has been such a help. Yeah. Oh yeah. Make sure really learn the airplane. Yeah. And he's been harping on that. Make sure I know everything about the airplane when I go in. Good. Yeah. Because uh, they're gonna ask you. Uh, you know, he should ask you a lot about that airplane, systems and horsepower, speeds, weight and balance. All that stuff is probably gonna be asked on your check ride. Yeah. Definitely. That about covers it for you for right now. All right. Anybody else? Well, as I move a little farther down the line, once I start doing my cross countries, I'll uh, definitely be giving you a shout. Yeah, feel <laughs> free. Uh, um, you guys can find me on my Twitter or email or anything. Uh, shoot me an email. Actually, you know what's funny is I was actually thinking about uh, for one of my cross countries, I was going to think about my uh, my wife's uncle as a large animal vet in Napa, uh-huh. I was going to make that one leg, go have lunch with them, uh, then maybe swing over to you guys, come say hi, see the see the toys you have there at the airport, and then, then head home. But uh, Definitely do it. Come say hey. I, I just, you know, I don't like to fly for no reason. You know what I'm saying? Especially right right now as a student pilot, like, like John was just saying, it costs money. I want to have, if I'm going to do my cross country, have a purpose. You know, sure. I was thinking. So I have a purpose this. to go see relatives, and then have a purpose to go, you know, see see you and the the rest of the guys, and then come back home. So that'd be an awesome flight. Yeah. Um, that is, you have to have that mentality, especially when you're you're pouring all this money into flight training. But I will tell you, uh, all you guys, there's no such thing as a wasted hour. I tell every single student that there's no such thing as a wasted hour. So you're always going to get something out of every flight, especially leading up to flight. Uh, to the uh, check ride. Oh, you must have heard me complaining about that. <laughs> That's that Seminole who thought he was a 747. <laughs> oh, don't. When when you said that, I was like, you must be flying out of my home airport because some of these schools, the professional pilot schools. Um, oh, it's aggravating, especially when you're when you're flying a plane like the pits. That uh, the running joke is. Uh, it glides as far as you can throw your keys. <laughs> That's and terrible. So if, you know, yeah, and it really is. I mean, you you don't know what a pattern looks like until you fly it in the pits. It's it's kind of weird. You know, you're like right over the numbers, and you're still pattern altitude, but yet you still barely make the runway. Wow. Like, how does that work? But uh, I was like, you know, four mile on a four mile downwind, following a, uh, it was either a Seminole or a Seneca, and I'm just sitting there like, you know, if my engine failed right now, I'm screwed. And it's all because this guy is just going into la-la land 
you know, flying a 747 pattern. I call them B-17 patterns, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It drives me nuts. Yeah, all the guys out of uh, the tr- uh, Transpac school there are, uh, they're all uh, Chinese on top of that. Yeah. Um, so most of them sound like they got marbles in their mouth when they're when they're talking ATC and the poor guys in the tower you hear them repeat themselves but ever so methodically and slowly the next time and just a hint of attitude you know yeah <laughs> like uh but um i don't i don't know it's got to be something with their instructors too and yeah maybe one day they are going to be flying those but i you know in my opinion fly it like the plane that you're in you know uh, you're in that plane um you know fly it fly your pattern as if you know you're flying it for that plane not a different plane for a future plane you know you can't fly a 747 like a 152 so don't swap them either mm-hmm. you know you shouldn't be flying a, a 152 like a 747 yeah you know fly it like it's supposed to be it's supposed to be flown i agree with that 100 percent. well anyways that about wraps it up guys awesome i believe so all right all right john you want to so, get uh, us out of here yeah so um Real quick, uh, Mark, do you want to tell us uh, where everybody can uh, find you? Sure. Um, if you guys want to hear a, a, an inferior podcast to this one, you guys can check out <laughs> InfoTheCast.com. Um, pretty much hangar flying and, and, and everything else in between. Um, you can email me at uh, FlyMarkP.com, and I have a website, www.FlyMarkP.com. Uh, some cool airplanes and stuff on it. Check it out. Excellent. I'm going there right now. <laughs> I don't, don't let him there kid yet. You. Don't let him kid you. It's a it's it's a good podcast, and I actually it makes me want to go into the Bay Area. I I, I have a I won't say I have a fear of the Class Bravo, the SFO Class Bravo, but uh, this gives me a reason to want to go over there. I've actually flown out of Palo Alto before. Oh, okay. And, and uh, a, a friend of mine is uh, works for uh, one of the airlines, and so he during the week he stays there. But we've we've flown out of Palo Alto a couple times. Uh, he's a member of. Uh, there's two clubs there, and he's a member of one of them. But uh, yes. yeah, we we actually flew. I, I actually I actually got to fly, and we did the uh, we, we shot across the bay, headed over towards you, and went over to I want to say had to be the Concord area. We just did some did some uh, air work over there. This is okay. before I actually started my training, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, and did and then came back, flew flew south through San Jose and uh, over the airport and back home. So, yeah, the San Francisco class Bravo is nothing to be feared. It, they're they're really nice to GA uh, if they if they have the time. Sure, but um, LAX is a different story. Yeah, there's a lot of corridors you want to find, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I, have, I have some good friends down in San Diego. I really want to go down and see them, but it's it's almost like I want to take a wide berth around that whole area. <laughs> It's a fun flight going down there. I did a I did a solo cross country when I was really young in my training uh, to Santa Monica, which is it was like a four hour flight. <laughs> wow, that's nice. Yeah, it was a long flight, but uh, it was pretty cool to go to go into SoCal and start navigating that airspace a little bit. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Listening to that podcast makes me want to fly off to California. <laughs> Come on out. I, you know I, what? I, I want stick time and oh man. I, I want to go fly in the Marchetti. I really do. That's what that's always been one of my favorites. Yeah, me too. It's a Love really fun airplane. Yeah, you know, it's how, it's really. Fun. And why are you know I, I I go on barnstormers probably four times a week just you know, window shopping for airplanes. Mm-hmm. The Pitts S1 is so cheap. 
they're dirt cheap. Dude, and they're really nice airplanes. Why are they so cheap? I mean, they're home built. 30, 30, well, 30 some grand for yeah, a plane that yeah. can do what that plane can do. Oh they're my very, gosh. Uh, they're very minimalistic airplanes. I mean, most of them are home built. You have there's some factory built uh, S ones, but most of them are home built. They're, I mean, very simple airplanes with a pretty common engine. I mean, most of them have 180 to 200 horsepower engines on them. Yeah, your standard uh, Lycoming 180, huh? Yeah, yeah. So you got you know 0360s. Yeah. And you know maybe an 0320 here and there. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, really cheap to operate. Really cheap to maintain. You know, one seat. But great performing aerobatic airplane. I mean, really fun to fly. Yeah, it looks like a blast. I uh, we usually go on a, a vacation about every year to um, um, Coronado, and um, my wife's aunt and uncle has um, a couple of homes on Coronado Island that back up to each other. So we go out and go down there and hang out for a week. But uh, next year when we do it, I'll have had my pri- my pilot's license, and I would love to take the family. Um, for a flight, go rent an airplane and um, at a local airport there in San Diego and and uh, go fly up and down the coast a little bit. I think that'd be a blast. You absolutely should. That's it's really beautiful uh, flying uh, terrain up there and gorgeous. Maybe do a little flight over to Catalina. There you go. Yeah, if you go to uh, Montgomery Field, there's plenty of flight schools out there that uh, that'll accommodate you on that. That'd be awesome. So you can find the In the Pattern Podcast. Our website is inthepatternpodcast.com. We also have a page on my transponder. It should be listed under In the Pattern. Um, you can also find us at iTunes if you search for In the Pattern or In the Pattern Podcast. You can reach all of us on the In the Pattern Podcast by email through podcast at inthepatternpodcast.com or on Twitter as In the Pattern. You can reach me at john at inthepatternpodcast.com on Twitter as Pilot Conway and also on my transponder as Pilot Conway. Chris? Yeah, you can uh, find me at Chris at InThePatternPodcast.com as well. On Twitter at uh, C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. That's C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. And uh, my transponder is also C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. And Mark? Yeah, you can find me at Mark at InThePatternPodcast.com. Student Pilot Mark on Twitter. And M. Lacoste on my transponder. Give us a shout. Cool. And lastly, uh, just because we can and because Google is awesome, you can also call us if you'd like. Leave a voicemail. Uh, I'm sure we could probably fit it in the playing back in the show or something like that uh, at 707-PCAST-01. That's 707-PAPA-CHARLIE-ALPHA-SIERRA-TANGO-01. Also, I'd like to add, since uh, Doug had to leave early, you can find uh, Doug at D. Hinman Jr. on Twitter. Um, and also on the Mile High Flyers podcast. Uh, so definitely check them out. Uh, great podcast, whether you live in the Denver area or not. Uh, Alright. Cool. Well, that about wraps up this episode of the Independent Podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Remember, make left traffic, you're cleared for the option. Members of the In the Pattern podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with, the instructors they learn from, or the flight schools they attend. 
Remember, these guys are student pilots, so anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on an aircraft operation is obviously from the perspective of student pilot. You should always consider your own situation, consult your instructor, remember your training, and fly the airplane. Cleared for the option. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Podcast Network. TheVoicesInYourHead.com Break out the fires. <laughs> yes, it's, 50, it's 1500. Okay, where'd you find that? Wikipedia. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that, right. That's cheating. No, I, I don't have a sectional here in front of me to look at the... Uh... Since I'm sure you guys have listened to it, we don't usually get that technical. <laughs> we don't make you break out the books on the very first time you join... That's fun dusting off the old far end every once in a while. <laughs> it gets dusty even on my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> you may end up becoming a a, a a regular, especially as as Chris and I get progressing. Since you know, Hotshot here is almost done. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs>